And the rest of us stick around here. We're going we're gonna to look at Zechariah, the book of Zechariah a little bit. So that's, uh, that's, that's uh, second to the last of, of the uh, Old Testament. So turn to the New Testament and, and go left a couple books and you'll be there. Well, we continue in our summer series of messages, and today we'll take a look at flying the kite, flying the kite, and, and how winning the day involves doing little things like they're big things. And we'll unpack all of this in today's message. Now, as I was putting this together, there was just this one song that was coming through my head all the time, and I, I couldn't get it out of my head. You know how that happens. You, you think of a song, you think, I got to play it, I got to listen to it. So it will be done. I got to do that today. And so just bear with me as uh, Ray helps us and plays this video to get this song kind of out of my head. Maybe it goes into your head then. Sorry. Let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere. Up When you send it flying up there, all at once you're lighter than air. You can dance on the breeze over houses and trees with your fist stolen tight to the string of your kite. Okay, thank you, thank you. It was going through my mind. I had to play that, had to play that. Anyway, interesting history. On November 9th, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a bridge across the Niagara Gorge. The question, of course, was when and where and how do you get the first cable across on a 825-foot chasm with 225-foot cliffs on either side. Now, typically what would happen is that they would shoot an arrow with a, a string attached to it, and it, nobody could shoot an arrow across that gap. What's going to happen? How would you do this? So enter Theodore Graves Hullett, a local iron worker who suggested, of all things, a kite flying contest. They do a kite flying contest. And it was a 15-year-old boy named Homan J. Walsh, who won the $10 cash prize for flying the first kite across the chasm. The day after that flight, a stronger line was attached to that kite string, then a rope was pulled on, then a cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire, and it would become the world's first railway suspension bridge strong enough to support a 70-ton Locomotive. Now, you probably can't see it very well, but at the top there, it's a double-decker. At the top is a locomotive. So a train goes across, people are walking underneath. I don't know if that's the best way. <laughs> I would put the weight below. <laughs> uh, if you're walking underneath that, you, a train comes, you're thinking, ah, it's going to fall. I'm going to get squished. Anyway, but it all started with one kite string. It always does. It always does. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. 
If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. And if you have your Bible, of course, I told you to take a look at Zechariah. We're going to look at Zechariah chapter 4, and we'll unpack the habit of fly the kite, fly the kite in helping us win the day. Now, winning the day is not something that is only done by accomplishing big goals or serving with a, a fanfare in big ways. Winning the day is accomplished by being faithful in those smaller things first, meeting the needs of today instead of sitting around waiting for the needs of tomorrow. There are people who say they'll give more when they make more, but the truth is if you aren't generous with a little time, with a little talent, with a little treasure, you won't be generous with a lot. And generosity always starts right here, right now. And there are people who say they'll serve more when they have more time, but As we learned last Sunday, you don't find time, you make time. And there are people who say they'll step up when the big opportunity presents itself. Not if you aren't seizing the small opportunities that are all around you all the time. And so here's the bottom line and I guess the big idea about all this. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. Being faithful to present needs opens the door to bigger and better things down the road when we will be given the chance to be faithful in much bigger things. But it all starts with the small sacrifices, the small dedication, the small responsibilities. If you're faithful with a little, you will be faithful with a lot. So go ahead and dream big dreams. Show me the size of your dream, and I'll show you the size of your God. But go after a dream that is so big, it's destined to fail without divine intervention. That's how big your dream should be. But you can't just dream big. You have to start small and think long. That's what flying the kite is all about. A single kite string can eventually become a bridge that connects two countries. So if you, you're there at Zechariah chapter 4, look at verse 6. And let me set the scene here for you. Zerubbabel is the leader. Nice name. I love that name. So many, so many ways to actually say that name. <laughs> Zerubbabel is the leader of the remnant that returned to Judah with a God-sized vision. And, and they rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed in 586 B.C. And half a century later, the Lord says to Zerubbabel as, as he looks at the, at the ruins in verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we are below average. <laughs> but God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And the good news is this, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do anything in line with the will of God. And why is this? Because the Holy Spirit is that X factor. It's that one part of the the equation that makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. So God wants to do things in you and through you that are beyond your ability. They're beyond your, your resources, beyond your imagination so that he gets all the glory. It's by his Spirit. 
And then verse 7, Zechariah chapter 4, says, What are you, O mighty mountain? <laughs> what are you, O mighty mountain? There comes a moment when you stop talking to God about your mountains and you start talking to the mountains about your God. <laughs> your God is much bigger than anything, any obstacle that's in your way. And that's one way we flip the script, as we heard on the first Sunday of, of this series. You declare His power, His grace, His peace, His love, His glory, His goodness, His, His healing, and don't deny the obstacle before you. That, that obstacle is big. Don't deny that. Or even the odds that are against you, situations like that. But you confront the brutal facts. You, you, but you do, you do it with unwavering faith that says, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a follower of Christ. You are a citizen of this thing called the kingdom of God. And remember that every prayer has to meet a two-fold litmus test. One, it has to be in the will of God. And two, it has to be for the glory of God. If those two things are not lining up, then that prayer probably isn't going to go very far. But if, if it does line up, then watch out. Watch out. But I have no idea what, what mountain you may be, that may be staring you in the face. I don't know what your mountain might be, even maybe just today. It might be the mountain of anxiety. It might be the mountain of anger, maybe addiction. I don't know. The mountain of injustice, possibly, or unforgiveness. Maybe the mountain of depression or frustration, maybe even fear. It might even be a, mount, a whole mountain range. It might not just be one mountain, a whole mountain range of these things. That's when, when and where we need to fall back on what we know for sure. We know that He is still the God who makes sidewalks through the sea. He is still the God who makes the sun stand still. He is the God who turns water into wine. He is still the God who moves mountains. Have you ever heard of the phrase, testimony is prophecy? So what does that mean really? <laughs> Glad you asked. Pretty simple. If, if God did it before, He can do it again. If God did it for me, He can do it for you. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And in that verse, verse 7, you've got several habits just in that one passage right there. You've got, uh, you got the flipping of the script that we learned about. By speaking to the mountain, what are you? Almighty God, or Almighty Mountains, <laughs> Almighty Mountain. You play, you play offense, basically, by measuring your identity in Christ. You declare the will of God and the glory of God. You've also got uh, kissing the wave in this verse. We talked about that before. The obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way through. You don't go around the mountain by faith. God will get you to the other side. And you'll be a bigger person, a better person, because of all of it. You have the authority to move mountains. And why is that? With faith as small as a mustard seed. Faith as small as a mustard seed. So how can something so small move something so big? That's when that 
other habit that we talked about, eating the frog. It's those high-leverage habits that have a domino effect over time. If you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. And if you look down in verse 10, Zechariah chapter 4, this is where we fly the kite of faith. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, a New Living Translation says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. It's plumb line, kite string, kind of the same. A plumb line was an ancient measuring tape. And you stop and think about this. God is rejoicing before they even begin building. Before they even start. They don't even have permits yet. They, have, they haven't even broken ground. All they have are blue, blueprints here, and God is giving them a stand, standing ovation already. Our Heavenly Father celebrates the little steps of faith, the small acts of kindness. In fact, you can't give someone a drink of water without God taking notice. God isn't just great because nothing is too big. Sure, He can move mountains, but God is also great because nothing is too small. He notices things. He notices what you do. He celebrates the small steps of faith, small acts of kindness. And, and sure, we want to do amazing things for God, but that isn't really our job. It'd be great. It'd be wonderful. That'd be fun. But God is the one who does amazing things for us and in us and through us. Our job is to consecrate ourselves to God. That's our job. Doing that and making ourselves available and saying yes when He prompts us for things. But He's the one who does those amazing things for us and through us. And, and then if we do our job, God will do His. If we fly the kite, God will build the bridge. We just keep ourselves responsible for the smaller things. And sometimes we are easily overwhelmed by the size and scope of our goals and dreams. You start thinking about it, you're going, well, how am I ever going to reach that goal, reach that dream? That's why so many of the New Year's resolutions fail within the first month. And maybe you're victim of those as well, too, each year. Did you know that 83% of people want to write a book, but very few ever do? And why? Well, you can't finish what you don't start. <laughs> It doesn't matter whether it's writing a book or running a marathon or getting a graduate degree. You've got to reverse engineer your goals and turn them into daily habits. So doing the smaller things, making them daily habits, will cause you to continue on to that bigger goal down the road. Then you fly the kite like Homan J. Walsh did. So here are three keys to kite flying. It's as simple as one, two, three. I'll give them to you right now in case you might doze off or wander off in your mind somewhere else. <laughs> but let me give them to you right now. Simple as one, two, three. Give yourself a start date. You've got to give yourself a start date. When is this happening? And then go ahead and dream big, but start small. Dream, dream big, but start small. And third, if you want every day to count, you've got to count the days. Let me expand on these different things, kind of unfold all these uh, different thoughts. Give yourself a start date. Give yourself a start date. When Mark Batterson, author of the book, Win the Day, was 22, he felt called to write. 
Now, one problem with that, he took a graduate assessment around the same time that showed a low aptitude for writing. <laughs> so he wanted to write, but it didn't show that he could. And so, in other words, whatever you do, don't write books. <laughs> don't, it's not going to go, go well for you. Writing was not a natural gifting. But remember, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you need to pray like it depends on God, but you also have to work like it depends on you, and that's what Mark did. The way he flew the kite was by reading books, and he read 3,000 books before writing one. That's a lot of books. He reverse-engineered those books. He started turning sermons into devotionals and sent them out uh, by way of emails. And then Mark started a blog to practice writing. Now, 13 years later, he still hadn't written a book, and finally he just got fed up. So Mark decided to fly the kite, and he gave himself a deadline. He decided that he wasn't going to turn 35 without a book to show for it. <laughs> and a dream without a deadline is dead on arrival. You can have your dreams, but if you don't put a deadline to it, this, on this date is when this needs to happen. Those dreams die quickly. Some of you have been dreaming of one thing or another. This might happen down the road someday. It probably starts with that phrase, right? Someday or one day. And you've probably been thinking of those things for over a year, oh, many years. It kind of reminds me of those mean, ugly-looking guys from the Disney movie Tangled who sang in the snuggly duckling pub about their dreams. They had a dream. But you cannot finish what you don't start. Ask yourself this question. Do you feel like it's something God is calling you to do? Is it something that God is involved with? If it's not, it's going to be really hard to accomplish. If it is, then delayed obedience is disobedience. Get going. <laughs> if God is saying, yes, this is what you should be doing. And sometimes those dreams aren't really that easy. They're difficult. The process is difficult. Just think of our friend Don. Don Hawes, as he stood up here saying that God has called him to a location in Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, to move there, and whatever God's going to have for him there, he's going to do. But he, you know, whatever. That's difficult to uproot from where he's at in a church that he loves to go do this. Sometimes dreams are like that. Sometimes goals are like that. They get you uncomfortable a little bit. But the thing is that if God is with you along the way, no matter how uncomfortable you might be, God is going to make up for that. Because living in obedience with God is so much better than living in disobedience being comfortable. <laughs> so as you continue on and dream those dreams, remember sometimes it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but God will be with you. But you've got to give yourself a deadline. You've, you also got to give yourself a starting date, of course. And there might be some excuses that might come along the way. Let me get rid of a few of those most common excuses, some of which might sound familiar to some of you. One of them is like, I'm not qualified. I, I can't do this thing. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. Who does? <laughs> Who does? What is enough anyway? Remember, God doesn't call the qualified. He, calls the, he qualifies the called. And God definitely wants to use your strong hand, but God also uses your weak hand as well. It's not always uh, the strong things that you're able to do. He, he works on those weaknesses as well. 
His power because His power is made perfect in your weakness. It points to Him for all the things that have gone on, and it's not by your power, not by your might, it's by His Spirit. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. Give me some more time. I wasn't ready to get married. I wasn't ready to have kids. I wasn't ready to pastor a church. All those things. Newsflash about all this. If you wait until you're ready, you will be waiting the rest of your life. When is the time that you'll be ready? When does that, what does that look like? If God gives you the green light, it's go, set, ready. <laughs> you go. You don't wait. You move on down the road with God on that. Another excuse that might pop up in your mind, I'm waiting for the right situation. This isn't the right situation right now. I'm waiting for it. <clears throat> George Bernard Shaw said, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, make them. <laughs> doesn't matter about those circumstances. It is what it is. You can complain about the situation you find yourself in, or you can make the most of it. You will never find the perfect situation. The writer of Ecclesiastes said this, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the, the clouds will not reap. What do we do then? We fly the kite. We fly the kite. Life involves both risk and opportunity, and because life has no guarantees, we must be prepared. Give generously. Because life has opportunities and we must seize them. Just because life is uncertain doesn't mean we should do nothing. We need a spirit of trust and adventure together, facing life's risks and opportunities with God-directed enthusiasm and faith. Or in the words of Solomon, cast your bread upon the waters for after many days you will find it again. It will come back. Benefits. Just go ahead and get going. Move on. There's not going to be a right situation. As God leads you, that's when you go. Give yourself a starting date, though. Second thing, dream big, but start small. And think long. Think long. And how do you do all that? Well, you've got to reverse engineer those life goals, turn them into daily habits. As those daily habits are done, then those things become bigger things and bigger things, and you're on, on your way down the road to those goals and those things you've planned, those dreams. But it all comes back to this. You need an uncompromising commitment to continual improvement, just continuing to improve on everything along down the road. It's little by little. And it will pay compound interest. It will, it will continue to roll back into itself. And all of that to say this, go ahead and dream big, but you have to start small. <laughs> dream big, but you have to start small. You have to find a way to fly the kite a little higher each day. A little higher each day. And if you do that, some impossibly high mountains will become level plains. The ceiling becomes the floor, and you can go after even bigger dreams. You have to start small. But you also have to think long 
have to think long. It's awfully easy to get discouraged when you're going after a God-sized goal. Again, that's why so many of those New Year's resolutions fail within the first month. Sometimes it feels like our goals are getting further and further away. What was that one thing you planned to do last year? And then 2023 came around and you were like, rats, didn't happen. Was that the same thing you planned for 2021? <laughs> and so on, and it still hasn't been accomplished? You're, you're in the, well, one of these days mode. Honestly, we all wanted to throw in the towel on our goals at one point or another. It's just not going to happen. It, 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 I'm beyond it. Train has left the station, all gone. But it's in moments like that you need to remember the future. And what does that mean? You can't lose faith in the end of the story. You can't lose faith in that. You have to remind yourself of what you're doing and why you're doing it. That goal was set and you're working your way there. Don't give up. Keep going. It's like the parable about the three bricklayers. I have no idea if this is an allegory or an actual story, but after the fire of 1666 that leveled most of London, Christopher Wren was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. And one day in 1671, a few, few years after that fire, Wren was observing three bricklayers on the same scaffold. He asked them what they were doing. The first bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. The second bricklayer said, I'm building a wall. The third bricklayer said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. It's the same task, very different mindset, and only one of them was thinking long. Only one of them was remembering the future. When you forget the future, you, you trade your birthright for a bowl of soup, just like Esau. You forfeit your future because you aren't thinking long in everything we do, we've got to be thinking about the third and fourth generation and how it will affect them. Becky and I are in that mode as grandparents thinking, my goodness, we've got little ones here that we can influence for God. We've got little ones that we can help their parents bring them up in the Lord. And then the other thought was, what about their kids? Whoa, there's a mind blower right there. Third and fourth generation. What are they going to remember about what you did, how you lived your life? Dream big. Start small. You've got to think long. And then also, if you want every day to count, you've got to count the days. The person who knows how many days they have held their current job is someone who's making the most of those days. You know how many days you have, have in, your, in your employment. You, you've been counting those days. You make the most of those days. If you want every day to count, you got to count the days. If you don't count the days, you're discounting them. And that's just not a play on words. It's an approach to life that lives each day like it's the first day and last day of your life. When that, with that mindset, then you count the days. Make every day count. This series started with a question, can you do it for one day? Can you just do it for one day? Anybody can do anything for a day. Then you've got to get up and do it all over again. And if you do that two days in a row, then you've got a winning streak going. And keep the winning streak going. Don't, don't let that fall. That's what flying the kite is all about. 
It doesn't matter if it's a marathon training plan or a daily Bible reading plan. Failing to plan is planning to fail, right? So you have to count the days just like you count calories. If you give yourself a start date, if you start small and think long, if you count the days, it won't just add up. God will multiply your efforts so that 5 plus 2 equals 5,000 times 10 to the 12th power. <laughs> it won't add up to you, but God will make it even better. Another way of saying this is this. If you want to break records, you need to keep records. You've got to measure what matters, and if it's not measurable, it's not manageable. So part of counting the days is celebrating your progress. Celebrating each time down the road that things got done. I made my bed this morning. Yeah, we talked about that before, right? You have to celebrate what you want to see more of. You have to mark the, the, the milestones and celebrate the winning streaks. Motivate you down the road to your goal. Every single day of your life has purpose in it. There isn't a single day that goes by that you cannot make a difference in one way or another. We may see some things as ordinary, but there are so many profound events happening behind even the, even the most overlooked occurrence. For instance, your heart will beat more than 100,000 times today on this day. Circulating five quarts of blood through 100,000 miles of arteries and veins and capillaries. 37 sextillion chemical reactions are happening in your body at one, any one given time. That's a lot. <laughs> and the combined DNA in all the cells in your body could stretch to the sun and back 61 times. There are no ordinary people. <laughs> there are no ordinary things and there are no ordinary days. From our bodies to the days we experience, nothing is ordinary. We see this concept illustrated through the, the act of creation in the beginning of time. Every single day, God did something small in the big scheme of things. One day it was the flowers and the grass. Uh, the next day it was the day and the night. The next day God created animals. Each day served its own purpose. And each day had its own set of victories that came along with it. And it was good. <laughs> Victory. Though each day was not the creation of the entire world, it was small goals that added up to the big picture in the end. Much in the same way, what we do daily, our small goals, will lead to the big picture of who we, who we become and what we can accomplish over time. So every single day matters. And probably the one phrase that we need to have with us all the time is this. Look, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. In the words of, of, of the prophet Zechariah, don't despise the day of small beginnings. <laughs> we think right here, right now, while God is thinking nations and generations. We think that God has for us is for us, <laughs> but it's actually for the third and fourth generations. Who knows what God's going to do through Becky and I with our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandchildren. The Lord blesses us to be able to see them. And on down the line, who knows? We, we, may, we may never know, obviously, but those people will, and that's what matters. 
We overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what God can do in 25 years. Look what the Lord has done. Your motivation matters when it comes to doing the little things. Are you motivated by the outward recognition and applause? Do you do things and you get recognition by it and you go, oh, that, that, that feels good. I'm going to keep on doing that. Or are you motivated by the mere idea of helping where you can because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. You helped somebody. Don't need anything else. In the age of social media, it's difficult to gauge what someone's motivation is. People share tidbits of their lives for likes and retweets. They live for the comment section and will try to do grand things in order to get a bigger response. Push notifications, send a, a dopamine release coursing through their veins like an addiction. Oh, <laughs> somebody liked my post. Yay! When we do things for outward recognition, we are only doing things for the likes and for those push notifications. Yet when we perform for an audience of one, we are putting our heart in the right place. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So practice makes perfect. That in a nutshell is how you win the day. When you make it a daily habit to do the fundamentals, the, the basics, the little things with so much faithfulness that you are able to execute without even having to think about it. It's breathing in and breathing out. It's pouring yourself out for the smallest of responsibilities with heart, with determination, with dedication. And it's doing it with all your heart. Day after day, week after week, month after month, that's the way you become who you truly want to be. And this is how you become who God has called you to be. So in order to accomplish the big picture goal in the long run, we need to start with the small stuff. This is not just commendable towards your character, but it also gives us this practical bit of insight. When we set smaller goals, the smaller targets, and smaller prizes, they are easier to attain. Making that bet in the morning, going, yay, I've accomplished something. <clears throat> Maybe for some of you, it's just getting up in the morning. <laughs> but sure, that's obvious, but it goes a little deeper. You climb a mountain one step at a time. Those who have joined me in Summiting South Sister know about that. One painful step at a time. And you get on top, of, on top of South Sister. And you're able to see a beautiful view from the top. And you move a mountain one rock at a time. Anybody remember how 147th used to connect with Sunnyside Road to the north? That's all gone. Number of years ago, they wiped that whole mountainside out. They moved that hillside. One rock at a time, it got moved. Set small goals for small achievements, <clears throat> and over time you will notice the big picture coming together because you were faithful in the small things. I'm not sure what goal you're going after, what problem you've try you're, you're trying to solve, what habit you're trying to break, or maybe even build. But the thing is, you have to fly the kite. you got to fly the kite. And how do you do that? You give yourself a start date. You can't finish 
but you don't start. You dream big, but you start small, and you think long. Don't forget the future. Long obedience in the same direction, all of that. And if you want every day to count, you count the days. And like I've mentioned before, there are decades when nothing happens, and there are months when decades happen. Prepare yourself, because sometimes it all comes at once. But what kite do you need to fly? What kite does that look like for you today? And my question for you is, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Fly the kite. Do it. Start it. Go and win the day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together and hear from you. And Lord, I pray that we would put your words into practice. And Lord, if you're tapping us on the shoulder about some things here today, I pray that we would act in obedience. We would say yes to you for how you maybe you're describing what we've been doing or what you're describing what we should be doing. Lord, that we would respond in how you're directing us in that. However you're speaking to our hearts, Lord, I pray that we would walk in obedience with you on that. But Lord, thank you for how we can win that day by starting with the small things and doing those things consistently each day. Those small things will add up to get us to that dream that we've been dreaming about or that goal that we've set. Whatever that might be, Lord, I pray that we would continue to consistently move towards you in all that. So, Lord, if you're speaking to our hearts about some things, I pray that we would respond to you. Take time right now to do that as we sing these last couple songs. And, Lord, that you, again, would just be glorified during this time. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray. Amen.